tighten, pull in that abdominals. Go. And tighten, let go. And tighten, hold it, let go. Tighten, let go. And it is time to let go. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. You've been working hard in the 90 degree heat. Now it's time to chill. Are you ready? Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's it? Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have half a mind To leave you, babe That means I have half a mind To stay it's Pandora's Lunchbox and WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. It's a show about food and culture. Good evening. This is Mike. And today it's all about, well, I can't tell you right away, but first of all, you should know that part of Main Street is blocked off. They've done it again. They've blocked off part of Main Street from William to Liberty for something called a Family Festival of Hope. So if you want to avoid all that hope, you need to get around that. You need to just stay away from all that hope. That's not really what I mean to say. What I'm saying is, who needs hope when you have a cold soup party? Yes, that's right. So let's hear from uh, Slim Gaylord and friends what they've got to say about this. Direct from Billy Berg's Burger Stand. It's a bit of chamber music, and I do mean inside plumbing. Featuring three drips in a gut bucket. <laughs> Namely, Professor Gaylord on the alto group. An instrument first used by the English to call the cows from the pasture. The cows objected, so Professor Gaylord now has the exclusive use of the alto glue. Professor Brown plays a gazoon which runs 20 bars to a gallon. And Professor Leo Watson is the exponent of the triple timpani. And now these artists will play for the first time their newest opus, the Avocado Seed Soup Symphony. <laughs> In this work... See, just a minute there. We have a little special... Opera, we would like to open our symphony, Opus 3, Sonata 5. <laughs> This should all be pretty much self-explanatory, but this is Slim Gaylord and his fellas doing the Avocado Seed Soup Symphony. Why? Because this is a cold soup party, and it's been 90 degrees plus in Ann Arbor for three days straight. I can't speak anymore because of the heat. The heat! 
That's what I'm trying to say is what they said. So we're going to explore some cold soups and things, and we're going to check in with Slim Gaylord and the fellas and see how they're doing from time to time. I think that they'll be performing this great work, the Avocado Seed Soup Symphony, for quite some time. I believe the piece runs 84 hours, so we're going to get back in on that. But first of all, Anthony Bourdain, Slim Gaylord, pretty much the same guy. Anthony Bourdain, former chef, hosts his own show, travels around the world, eats great food, strange food, and grimaces, and, you know, things like that. In his book, Kitchen Confidential, we're talking about cold soup here. He talks about how cold soup changed his life. At the very beginning of his book, nearly the beginning, which is somewhere in the middle, he says the following. My first indication that food was something other than a substance one stuffed in one's face when hungry, like filling up at a gas station, came after fourth grade in elementary school. It was on a family vacation to Europe on the Queen Mary in the cabin class dining room. There's a picture somewhere, my mother in her Jackie O sunglasses, my younger brother and I in our painfully cute cruise wear boarding the big ocean liner, all of us excited about our first transatlantic voyage, our first trip to my father's ancestral homeland, France. It was the soup. It was cold. This was something of a discovery for a curious fourth grader whose entire experience of soup to this point had consisted of Campbell's cream of tomato and chicken noodle. I'd eaten in restaurants before, sure, but this is the first food I really noticed. It was the first food I enjoyed, and more important, remembered enjoying. I asked our patient British waiter what what this delightfully cool, tasty liquid was. Vichyssoise, came the reply. A word that, to this day, even though it's now a tired old war horse of a menu selection, and one I've prepared thousands of times, still has a magical ring to it. I remember everything about the experience, the way our waiter ladled it from a silver tureen into my bowl, the crunch of tiny chopped chives he spooned on as a garnish, the rich creamy taste of leek and potato, the pleasurable shock, the surprise, that it was cold I don't remember much else about the passage across the Atlantic. I saw Boeing, Boeing with Jerry Lewis and Tony Curtis and the Queen's Movie Theater and a Bardo flick. The old liner shuddered and groaned and vibrated terribly the whole way. Barnacles on the hull was the official explanation. And from New York to Sherberg, it was like riding atop a giant lawnmower. Sounds like fun. No. My brother and I quickly became bored and spent much of the time in the teen lounge, quote-unquote, listening to House of the Rising Sun on the jukebox or watching the water slosh around like a contained tidal wave in the below-deck saltwater pool. But the cold soup stayed with me. It resonated, waking me up, making me aware of my tongue, and in some way preparing me for future events. Anthony Bourdain talking about cold soup and this Vichy Swass stuff. I believe that Julia Child, I don't know if she was being uh, derisive when she said that's an American food, that an American dish, an American soup. American, you know. But says here, uh, Joe George of ArtVoice.com talks about Vichyssoise as being first served at, at, at the Ritz-Carlton in New York City around 1917. The chef was Louis Dia, a Frenchman by birth. He missed the food and ingredients of his native country, but mostly he missed his mother's good cooking. He wrote a few books, and one of them, French Cooking for Americans, is subtitled La Cuisine de ma mère, My Mother's Cooking, and he prefaced his leek and potato soup recipe with this. One of my earliest food memories is of my mother's good leek and potato soup made with plump, tender leeks I myself pulled from our garden. 
In this sentiment, he created an updated, more refined version of his mother's leek and potato soup by pureeing and chilling it. He originally dubbed the soup Creme Bonne Femme, Beautiful Woman Cream Soup, which is a great, you know, come online. Hey, Beautiful Woman Cream Soup, how you doing? But it later became known as Creme Vichy Soisse, named after the city of Vichy, where he was born. And so our odyssey into... Cold soup begins on Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN, but let's see how Slim Gaylord and the boys are doing with their avocado seed soup symphony. I think there's mayhem going on here. Look out. Waiter will have what he's having. did all right, don't you think? Slim Gaylord and his folks there. That's from the Avocado Seed Soup Symphony Number 1, Part 1, that is. It's number Part 1. It's Part Number 1. I can never count past. Um, This is Pandora's Lunchbox. This is Mike. And some more cold soup for you. Actually, I was just talking about Joe George on ArtVoice.com. He was talking about Vichy Swass. How about gazpacho? Gazpacho. Oh, my God, gazpacho. Oh, my gazpacho. He says, gazpacho is a recipe that has been around in various forms for a very long time, but the recipe's journey is convoluted, kind of like traffic in Ann Arbor right now. No, more so and more interesting. Possibly Moorish or Arab in origin. It has existed in Spain for more than 1,000 years, but prior to the 16th century, it did not contain tomatoes and it wasn't red. I've seen gazpacho. I've had gazpacho. Senator, you're no gust No. Um, but gazpacho is often red and chilly and delicious, but in fact, says here, wasn't red for a while. Tomatoes being a New World ingredient, they did not find their way into European cooking until the 1500s. It most likely began as a vegetable, garlic, and herb soup that was thickened with breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs and ground almonds. 
Caspacho really is one of the truly archaic recipes of the Western world, which has survived as a type of liquid food made from vegetables and stale bread. For food historians, it's sort of an edible archaeological dig. And you don't get too many of those, do you? The word soup is derived from the Middle East, the Middle English sop or sup, referring to a stale piece of bread on which broth is poured to give a slight meal some substance. This is also the origin of the word supper. The Spanish word for soup is sopa. But a cold soup can be made from just about any ingredient, he says. Nearly any ripe fruit pureed with wine and maybe a bit of mint or basil makes an excellent cold soup. So does cucumbers with yogurt, garlic, and chilies. Your only restraints are the limits of your imagination. Now imagine for a moment that I've hit the right cut on this CD, and it's They Might Be Giants singing about soup. One can hope. Nine bowls of soup are balanced on the end of a rake on an ichthyosaur's head. Whoa, 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 whoa! Oh, good, none of them spilled. Please, can I have one, Mr. Ichthyosaur? I'm saving them for friends But you don't have any friends Yes, I do No, you don't Yes, I do Now be quiet I'm trying to concentrate Nine bowls of soup On the wings of an airplane Flown by an ichthyosaur Whoa, whoa, whoa Lucky thing they didn't all spill is there one that's kind of extra? Can I have it for my own? No, you can't. I can't break up the set. But the soup is getting cold. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Nine bowls of soup are balanced on a snake that the ichthyosaur is taking for a walk. Whoa, 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 whoa! I really thought that that was it I just think that you have more than you can handle What's all the soup for anyway? I didn't think you even really liked soup Why do you need nine bowls? Why do you need... Why do you need nine? If I tell you what these are for, then will you stop bothering me? Nine bowls of soup, arranged a certain way, are some radar dishes in a very large array. And the message they detect from across the Milky Way says the aliens want to join us for lunch. I hope you guys like soup. I was just going to suggest that explanation. That is, they might be giants from one of their more serious albums. Here come the one, two, threes, and that is Nine Bowls of Soup. And when he said the soup is getting cold, <laughs> getting cold, soup should be cold. All soup should be cold, cold. Can you imagine like a villain made all soup cold and then people started liking vichyssoise and... Anyway, other cold soups, we, we've talked about uh, gazpacho, we've talked about uh, vichyssoise, there are other cold soups from Europe, and we're going to go over to Asia in a moment. But first, the Netherlands, to a soup I'm going to try to pronounce called Krentjebri. According to Wikipedia, 
Yubri is a name of a traditional soup or porridge-like dessert with juice of berries that is eaten either warm or cold. We'll say cold. It's also known as water gruel or krintsjebri in Friesland. I've been there many times. While there is no exact English translation for the word krintsjebri, it could be called raisin porridge, berry soup, berry gruel, berry white, no. Or a literal translation could be currants cooked to mush. Does currants cooked to mush sound good? I think it does. A commercially available product called besola is made in the Netherlands. Common ingredients, water, pearl bailey, no, not pearl bailey, pearl barley. (laughs) Uh, Pearl bailey is a great ingredient for just about anything, but not krinsibri. Red currant, black currant, or blueberry juice. Currants, raisins, apple, cherries, berries, and other fruits. Sugar, honey, and or cherry jello powder. Always a good ingredient in soup. Lemon, salt, vinegar, and possibly cinnamon. Now, I mentioned this soup to a friend of mine who grew up in the Netherlands, and she says she's not familiar with this one, being that there are different local traditions in different parts of the Netherlands. She says she knows Dutch soups to be overcooked and gelatinous. Mmm, mmm. Now, that sounds good. In the meantime, up in Sweden, there is a soup called Nippon Sopa, or Rose Hip Soup. It's an everyday classic among Swedish desserts, says Sweden.se, along with a few macaroons or almond flakes, plus a dollop of whipped cream on top. This soup suddenly turns into a party food, and we are having a cold soup party, so this is appropriate. Rose Hip is very rich in vitamin C, and the soup is a gorgeous red in color making it a pleasure to eat in a country that is too cold and wintry dark much of the year to allow the cultivation of oranges. Oranges. Ingredients include rose hips, water, potato flour, and sugar. I'll give you a quick preparation here. Soak the rose hips in half the water for a few hours. Boil them soft in the same water. This may take 20 to 30 minutes depending on their thickness, or whether pearl baileys in the room. Blend in a mixer and pass through a sieve. Boil the rest of the water, stir potato flour in a little cold water, beat the mixture into the water and boil again, add the mashed rose hips and sugar, taste, and let cool, man. So that is the delicious rose hip soup from Sweden called Nippon Sopa. We've got a creepy, a somewhat creepy folktale from Okinawa in just a moment about the dangers of cold soup, although not most kinds of Not most kinds of cold soup are of dangerous, but nonetheless, you always have the trouble sometimes when you have too many cooks involved. The recipe I gave you was pretty simple, but if you had six people in the room trying to do it at the same time, you might have a situation something like this. You might have a situation something like this, but not if I played the cut I meant to play. Just imagine that this is the next cut, okay? This is, pretend this is cut four on the LP. Imagine you're listening to a song called Too Many Cooks Spoil the Soup, and that the song is by 100 Proof Aged in Soul. 
Imagine that. Can you imagine? Well, this is smooth. And I just need some cold soup. Cold soup, just a bowl of cold soup. And I know it's gonna be all right. Yeah. Ah, moving right along, it's 10 minutes to seven still, in spite of everything. Time has not stood still. That's the Flaming Ember, by the way. The group is the Flaming Ember. And that's called Mind, Body, and Soul. Which, you know, soup is good for the mind, body, and soul, right? So, moving right along, though, as quickly as possible. There's a website called soupsong.com, and that's probably the best name possible. On this website, I found this folk tale from the Japanese island of Okinawa. Brace yourselves. Once upon a time on the island of Okinawa, there lived a poor orphaned boy, Toso, and his older sister, Yoisodon. Yoisodon worked hard to keep them both fed with a roof over their heads. And she worked especially hard to keep Toso in school. She was so proud that he was smart and always at the head of his class, even though the rich boys at his school treated him with contempt. One day, Toso came home from school with a long face. What's wrong, she asked. We are having a toy boat race tomorrow at school that our master will judge, he said. But I don't know if we have, I don't know if we can afford such a luxury. Don't worry, said Yosuden. I will take care of everything. The next day, Toso showed up at school with a toy boat made of bamboo bark and fitted with a tiny cloth sail. Yosuden had stayed up all night weaving it by hand. It was so light and well-crafted that it easily beat the heavier boats of tin and wood that the other boys had bought. They, of course, were furious and plotted to kill the upstart Toso. One of the boys approached Toso. We are planning a feast to celebrate your victory, he said. Come to my house tomorrow after school. Toso was so pleased, but when he told Yoisodon, she looked grave. Don't eat anything cold at the feast, she warned him. Only eat dishes that are served hot. At the feast, Toso was given a place of honor and immediately served cold miso soup. He tried to refuse, but was given no choice. Encircled by the boys, he drank it in one gulp. Alas, he soon became sick and excused himself from the feast. When he crossed the threshold of his house, he collapsed. By the time Yoisodon reached his side, he was dead. With tears flowing from her eyes, Yoisodon carried her dead brother to a closet and hid him there. Then she closed all the windows, locked the doors of the house, and began reading her brother's school books aloud in his voice. She knew the rich boys would be by to see if Toso was dead. They showed up almost immediately. She could hear them outside talking and surprised that Toso seemed to be alive and well, and she waited patiently until they left. As she hoped, they returned to the feast and, thirsty from their exertions, served themselves the cold miso soup that apparently was wholesome. In no time, they were all dead. Now Yoisodon disguised herself in her brother's clothes and went to the field of a wealthy flower grower. Only my rich, one of my rich clients wants to buy a treasure flower, she said in a boy's voice to the man's daughter, who was working among the flowers. The girl looked up from her work and immediately fell in love with this handsome youth. Although she knew she should not show the flowers without being paid first, she brought an armful of mugwort to the youth. This fuchibar is so expensive, she said, because it's magic. I have heard it can undo poison in the dead. When she turned her back, Yoisodon plucked one of the flowers and hid it in her kimono sleeve. 
I will come back when I have the money, she said, and hurried away. Back home, she held the flower to her brother's white little nose and prayed. A few minutes went by, then suddenly Toso was breathing. He was alive. Now Toso and Yoisodon returned to the flower grower's daughter to tell their story. She realized at once it was Toso she loved after all, and she took the brother and sister to her parents. The family welcomed Toso as their daughter's bridegroom and their new heir. They gave Yoisodon a good house close by, and they all lived happily ever after because of cold soup. Well, not the cold soup which was poisoned, but because not because of the cold soup. So there you go. Now, that is quite a story. Quite a story. Now, another side of cold soup from Japan I found on a website called Tokyo Cuisine Guide. This example of a cold miso soup from Miyazaki in southern Japan, which can get kind of hot down there. This soup called Hiyajiru, a cold miso soup over rice, says on the website, this was originally eaten only in the summer when people didn't have much of an appetite because of the extra... The extra I said it's over in the over the night. It is over of the nineties. I said I cannot able to have speak. They didn't have much of an appetite because of the extra hot weather in Miyazaki, but now they eat it all year round. What's different from a normal miso soup is that the miso is baked lightly before adding it to the bonito-based broth. Once baked miso is added, some grilled semi-dried fish flakes and hand-squashed tofu is also added. Once miso soup is cooked, sliced cucumbers are added, and it's put in the refrigerator to be cooled down. And just before serving, some ice is added to make it extra cold. Finally, you pour it over a bowl of rice. It's a great dish to have at the very end of a meal, or even after some serious drinking when you are a bit hungry. And we are having a good time here at the cold soup party, aren't we? Coming up at 7, Arwolf is going to help us to face the music. But in the meantime, cold soup... It's still being poured. Now let's uh, take a moment to uh, check into Slim Gaylord and the folks there and see how they're doing with the Avocado Seed Soup Symphony, shall we? Last week, this internationally famous trio played the magnificent new opus, the Avocado Seed Soup Symphony. (laughs) This week, they present the second movement. Please take note of the andante sequence by Professor Gaylord on the alto gloop. Professor Brown on the gazoon plays the pizzicato movement, unlike anything in musical history. This second movement depicts the awakening of woodland sprites. It goes on to say... Oh, go ahead. (laughs) A little number title, Avocado Seed Soup, Part Two. Hit that giant jack, put him in your pocket till I get back. Going downtown, see a man, and it ain't that time. Shake your hip. Hit that giant jack, put him in your pocket till I get back. Going downtown, see a man, and it ain't that time. Shake your hip. Standing on the corner, all full of jive. When you meet old schoolboy, I got to give you five. Trolley, yeah. Hit that giant jack. Put him in your pocket till I get back. Go downtown, see a man, and it ain't got time. Shake your head. Hit that giant jack. Yeah, I think they're doing mighty good there, Slim Gaylor and the guys. Well, let's wrap things up on Pandora's Lunchbox with a few announcements. The Ann Arbor Book Festival is this weekend, tomorrow and Saturday. You can find out more about that at aabookfestival.org. Why am I telling you this? Because there is a demonstration of the Espresso Book Machine at the U of M Library. The Espresso Book Machine. It probably smells pretty good. I know he likes that. Also, among many, many things happening this weekend, too many to count, 
is an event called The Art of Local at the Produce Station, which is this Sunday from 2 to 6 p.m. with music from the Appleseed Collective, Laith Al-Sadi and Abigail Stouffer, displayed art by talented artists around town and samples of food by a whole bunch of people. That's at the Produce Station Sunday from 2 to 6. Thank you for enjoying this cold soup party with me. Have some charnina if you like. This has been WCBN FM Ann Arbor for a while now. Our wolf will help us to face the music. Face the face. Mac Bowtie. Mac Bowtie. What's the booty? Jingle bells. Jingle, Back with the jingle bells already. It feels nice and cool on a day like this, but let's wrap things up. I'm going to do something radical and play a song called Too Many Cooks Spoil the Soup. Too Many Hands Spoil My Concentration. What am I doing? This is 100 proof aged in soul. Too Many Cooks Spoiled the Soup. Enjoy it and all. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and thank you.
the magic numbers, WCBN FM Ann Arbor. It's time for an hour of vintage Fats Waller. These recordings made during the years 1940 to 1943 constitute his, uh, well, last testament. Let's put it that way. Hi there, fellas. What you say? This little Fats Waller, my mother's 285 pounds of jam, jive, and everything. They got me in on this V-disc mess here this afternoon, so here it is. 